from the streets of Newark, New Jersey. Brick City is in the building today. Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I have someone that is near and dear to my heart that came on last minute and, I, and, and God gave him to me and said, yo, listen, you got to get this guy on. Listen, everybody, this man is the one that gave me my first ever dance job. That's right. At 17 bucks an hour, right? $17 an hour for a 45 minute class for kids that didn't want to really dance in the first place, but I made it work. You know what I'm saying? We had maybe like two or three kids in there at the YMCA and I was working for $17 an hour, which in dance terms is chump change because guess what? At the end of the day, right now, 17, you know, it's starting is good money for some people. So listen, this guy is not only, you know, a friend, a brother, but he is also a mentor of mine and somebody who I revere and love very, very deeply. We've had countless conversations and he is also a man of God. He's also a husband. He's also a father. He's also an artist. He's also a photographer and he's also an old school B-boy. So we just may bust it down in the studio a little bit. I don't know about that one, but ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you guys, Mr. Eric Mount Gummy, welcome to Unshakable Conversations, my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank brother, you. Thank what you an so introduction. Much. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen, how are you? I'm doing blessed, man. How yeah, are you? I'm great. I'm awesome. great. Thank awesome. you again for coming on last minute, man. Of course. It was for like, you? yeah, yeah. dog. Listen, we're going to dive in because right now on uh, the internet stream airwaves, it's a lot of conversations going on. But a lot of things happening from a vulnerability standpoint, mm -hmm. a lot of things happening from, you know, uh, men, women from a marital standpoint, right? Relationships, young people trying to find their way. Um, there's so much conversation going on. So I pray that what we do today, you know, edifies somebody that really needs to hear it and pinpoint it, you know, so it doesn't get. I'm interrupting this video just for a quick second to remind you guys to go ahead and like, because I know you probably haven't just yet, but it really, really does help the algorithm and helps our channel grow so go ahead and like comment subscribe and send it to somebody that you love right now okay back to the show it lost in the scuffle Absolutely. necessarily right but you know eric tell us you know let's start with you know where you're from you know how you came up um you know some of your upbringing what do you want the people to know about you sure so um Wow, so much to say. Yeah. So succinctly, I grew up in East Orange in Newark, New Jersey, mm -hmm. which is about an hour and a half from Philadelphia, yep. 15 minutes from New York City. And I grew up in the very early 70s. Mm -hmm. I grew up before hip-hop started. Mm -hmm. I grew up while there was a transition in culture where it's after the Civil Rights Movement, mm -hmm. during the Black Power Movement, during the Black Arts Movement, and right before the crack era. Mm. So it was a bittersweet time. It was a time of people people of color getting to know who they are um, culturally, relationally, everything under the sun. So when I was growing up, there was an explosion of people finding out who they were. Um, a lot of back to Africa mentality, a lot of pro-black movements, a lot of um, let's rebuild after X and King were assassinated. So a lot of young people were giving attributes, uh, meaning names that have meaning to it, tracing back to Africa. So you hear a lot of Kareem's and Malik's starting to be named as opposed to 
Martin mm. or John and things right. of that nature. But then you would also see like daishikis and a lot of culturally relevant things starting to happen. So that was happening mm -hmm. during that time. But then also a lot of new age religions were being brought in as mm. well. So it was a very critical time mm -hmm. for black people in America. Me personally, growing up in East Orange and Newark, I was exposed to a lot at a young age, good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, my parents divorced when I was five years old. Mm. And immediately my mother went through some traumatic times just grappling what had happened. Right. So my sister and I moved down to Alabama for a year mm. while my mother got herself together. Mm -hmm. That's where I learned all of my manners, my yes ma'am and no sirs and go. all of that. Yeah, you got to go down south for that. <laughs> got to go down south for that. <laughs> And um, but I also learned a lot about my family down there, right? Mm -hmm. So in Alabama, it's a whole different mindset. It's a lot slower. It's more communal, things of that nature. But coming back up to North Jersey, I remember like it was yesterday. It was like I was thrown into the wolves. Really? Yeah. Wow. So the young people were just so advanced mm. as far as cursing, talking about sex. And I'm talking about first and second grade. Wow. Yeah, like I could show you some vulgar things that were shown to me. Like little girls were like, hey, have you seen this before? And I was like, I'm just trying to learn how to Yo. spell my last right, name. Right, 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 right. You got 10 letters <laughs> right, to it. Right, right. That's it. That's all I'm trying to learn right <laughs> yeah. now, right? That's crazy. It's very crazy. Yeah. But so with that said. Not too far from where we're at today, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So with that said, um, it was a sink or swim mentality. Mm -hmm. So I started smoking cigarettes in the third grade, started drinking in the fourth grade, smoking weed in the fifth grade. I lost my virginity in the sixth grade. Wow. So I was a child mm. doing adult things. Mm. And I thought it was okay. Mm. I ran with older kids um, during that time. They were like two or three years older than me. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely me trying to step up to their level, mm -hmm. trying to keep up with all of them. And at the same time, um, my sister is 10 years older than me. And so I kind of went under the radar with a lot of things, mm -hmm. right? Um my mother was working so much, so I can come home high or drunk, mm. and I could just go right under the radar. Wow. And a lot of times, I was doing a lot of things right at home, right underneath her nose, right? Mm. So I was making what they would call screwdrivers and Bacardi and Cokes back in the fourth grade, wow. while other people was trying to make milkshakes, wow. right? So that was just my mentality back then. Um, so that's some of the negative things. Yeah. Um, positively, I was always exposed to the arts. Mm. Speaking of my sister again. Yeah. Um, so in the early 70s, there was a lot of discotheques. Mm -hmm. There was a club called Zanzibar in Newark. Mm -hmm. There was the Paradise Garage in New York City. Paradise Garage, yeah, remember that. So my sister yeah. heavily frequented those clubs. Mm -hmm. And I wound up being her practice partner doing a land hustle and a robot and things of that nature mm -hmm. back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I remember... I believe it was in 78 when the Sugar Hill Gang came out with um, yep. Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight, yeah. I was six years old, mm. and my sister took me to a, if I remember correctly, it was a Halloween party. And it was at a community center, and they played that song, and I was like, what yeah. is yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. And they played it three times, because back then you only have like 40 albums. Facts. Right? So yeah. you're playing the same songs over and over, over and again. Over and over again, yeah. But I can remember like it was yesterday, and it was like a groundbreaking moment. Like, mm. whatever this is, I want to be a part want of that. it. Yeah. And at the same time, again, you know, we're doing a land hustle. We're doing a lot of um, 
pre-b-boy, pre-girl dances. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I started seeing b-boying and b-girling, what some people call breaking. Mm -hmm. And I immediately latched on to it, um, started practicing. Mm -hmm. We would do it out in the streets, of course, cardboard and bringing out the boom boxes and all that. So a lot of the stereotypes that we see actually really happen. Really happen, right? right. And the shell toes out. The shell toes and all that. So... Um, that was a great time for us. It mm-hmm. was a great time for self-expression. It was mm-hmm. a great time of just learning how to express yourself. Yeah. And there was no money involved. Mm-hmm. Like, no one did it to right. get rich. No one right. did it for fame, as opposed to just a local fame, mm-hmm. you know. Um, at the same time, I was exposed to graffiti. My sister graduated in 1980, and there was a graffiti artist named Jay Starr who was very famous in New Jersey. And in the back of her yearbook, he did what we call a piece, which is short for masterpiece. Mm. And it had her nickname, Peaches, on it. And it had a graffiti character on it. And it was just explosive Mm. visually. So I'm like, just like dancing, when I saw that, I said I knew I had to get into it. Yeah, get into that, yeah. And during that time, we were heavily influenced by New York City. So there was... Jersey graffiti artists like Two Nasty Naz and a guy named Porn, a guy named Tame, rest mm-hmm. in peace. And they would bring a lot of the culture and styles from New York City back down to Jersey. Mm. And a lot of us younger heads was learning from them. So it was a right. kind of like tutelage that was happening. Right. So eventually I started doing graffiti, writing my name. I went by the name of Swift. Mm. So I would write my names all over walls and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Thank God I never got caught. Mm-hmm. Had a few close calls, yeah, things yeah, of that yeah. nature. Um, eventually, I parlayed that into teaching young people how to make money off of doing murals and things of that nature. Nice. But that was like 10, 15 years later. Yeah. As a young person, I actually grew up with very low self-esteem. Really? I did. Mm. And the thing about low self-esteem, anybody who ever battled with that, you can have the most friends. You can have... Maybe you have been enjoying what you've been watching so far, but guess what? This only happens with your support. This only goes to another level with your support. Welcome to the Unshakable Studio. As you guys can see, some of the background on what we've been producing over the past couple of months and actually the last couple of years on where we have grown. We went from, you know, in my house and in my my, my studio at home to now actually producing something of quality to help you guys see a great visual but also enjoy a great conversation. Now, we want to take this thing to another level. In order to take it to another level, we need your help. So, we're asking that you guys maybe can Consider go ahead and donate into our Cash App, our Venmo, or even joining our Patreon for as little as $5 a month to keep this thing going so that we can keep blessing you guys with great conversations, more intel, more insight that help you in your personal life and professional life go to another level. With that being said, go ahead and like, subscribe, comment, but also more importantly, help us grow. Help us get to the next level by making this nation unshakable. The hip is closed. You could be the life of the party, but you could be dying on the inside. And that was me, right? Right. And it wasn't anything in particular that caused me to have low Mm self-esteem. In particular, it was just I didn't feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And I was judging myself to other people. Mm -hmm. And when you judge yourself by other people, you will always fail. Yeah, what do you think the root of that was, like you having that low self-esteem? Was it... it Possibly, you know, your parents divorcing was that did that take effect to it, or you know, mm. the the use of um, you know substance abuse and things in that nature. I think it was a combination of all of the above, mm. and ultimately, first and foremost, not being rooted in Christ mm. because we find our identity in Him. That's right. So when you're not growing up with that Christ centered base, 
you're going to find your identity in other things that are temporal mm. and temporal things for you to wear. So you didn't grow up in the church? I did not. Okay. I was exposed to church life, but I didn't grow up as a Christian. Right. So when I lived down south, interestingly enough, my grandparents went to church faithfully. That's right. But my grandparents went to two separate churches. My hmm. grandfather went to a Baptist church, mm -hmm. very stern, strict in the word, mm -hmm. very to the book, literally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother went to a Pentecostal church, hmm. more free-flowing, more expressive, things of that nature. Let me just stop you right there. I want y'all to understand how similar uh, we are because huh. my grandparents went to two separate churches as well, too. Not only that, me and Eric got the same birthday, y'all. <laughs> we we was both both born on April fifteenth. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. So that's so crazy. I never knew that about you about the grandparents. Yeah, my grandparents. My grandparents went to two went to two separate churches around the corner from each other. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> my grandfather would drop my grandma and myself and the rest of our family off at you know at Israel Memorial Amy Church, and then he would go to his church, which is more of what I would like to call black Catholic type oh, type of okay, style of church, okay. you know, where they were very strict, you know, it was, it was like a lot of stand up, sit down, stand mm. up, sit down type type of thing. You know what I mean? But so that's crazy, but continue. <laughs> that is yeah, so crazy. That's wild. So yeah, so I was exposed to the Bible. Like eventually I learned that, oh, the words in red is Jesus talking, mm. but I was never invited to learn Christ on a personal level. Mm -hmm. It was always about the book and going to church on Sundays. But yeah. I was also young. Yeah. But I believe that if in retrospect, I wish I would have been exposed to him on a personal level yeah. um, and not just on a Sunday going to church type of level. Right. But then when I got back to North Jersey, it was straight debauchery. Like, we was just wild. Yeah. You know, the families were having, like, Friday night card games and fish fries, and my father was... You know, love him. He passed away over 20 years ago, but he was a hustler. You know, he was out there in the streets. He was doing this thing. He was a what people call a functional alcoholic. He mm. would drink a case of beer a wow. day and keep a job at Ford Motor Company and, and do what he has to do. Wow. So, but as far as my self-esteem is concerned, I don't think I was being reinforced in taking pride in who I am mm. and, and having value in who I am as yeah. a person, as an individual person. Yeah. Now, we definitely champion that. Yes, right. You yeah. know, yeah. if I don't tell my kids, and I call them kids, but they're both adults. Right. Um, if I don't tell them I love them at least five times a day, I've done something wrong Facts. internally. Like, Facts. it just naturally comes out. Facts. Um, growing up it, back in the 70s, it wasn't like that. Like, right. we, I knew my parents loved me, mm -hmm. but I didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. And mm -hmm. I, you don't know how much that means to somebody until... Until, right. So let's let's dive into that sure. because it's like, like my dad, right? I know my dad loves me. I, I know that, yeah. right? But I don't hear it daily, Yeah. right? Like, my dad lives in Arizona. Mm. I'm in Jersey. So mm. it's like, okay, uh, we're already apart. Right, my parents split up when I was twenty five. Your Got parents it. at five. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, for my dad, it's like, you know, he's a mil military man, so they're already desensitized to like, hey, it's wartime, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, forget all of that love stuff or whatever. It's wartime. But I know internally that he loves me. But like, how essential is that to a child growing up? Because it's like, man, like if you don't. You're not saying that you I love you. You never know when is the last day that you're going and you don't have that opportunity. Sure. And it happens every day. Sure. Sure. You know? Um, I'm gonna answer that in two ways. Mm -hmm. There was the, 
a scientific experiment where a scientist took two plants and same exact type of fern and had them in two separate spaces. They both received the same amount of sunlight, but for one plant, he would say, I love you, you're beautiful, you're gonna grow to be strong, look at you, you're so green and luscious, and that plant grew to be luscious and beautiful. Mm -hmm. The other plant, I hate you, you're ugly, you're gonna die. That plant eventually died. Mm -hmm. They both received water and sunlight, but the energy they were given from its owner affected mm -hmm. its growth. Wow. And I believe that's what happened to us as human beings. If we don't hear that positive reinforcement, if we don't yeah. hear, mm -hmm. I love you, I believe in you, yeah. um, you're handsome, whatever the case may be, you're going to be left to your own vices and mm -hmm. say, oh, well, maybe I'm not mm -hmm. what I think I should be. Right, right, right. And I think that's what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me flip it, right? Sure. So let's say someone's spouse is out there, right? And the man is sitting there saying, I love you daily to his wife. But his wife is not receiving that because he's not showing that, right? What do we say then? Because you could, someone could sit there and say, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you, right? But then they're not showing that love at all. Like the action is not, mm -hmm. I'm not seeing the action, right? You keep beating me up. How do I know that you love me? If you keep telling me that you love me, but you're, you're, you're constantly, you know, abusing me mentally, abusing me emotionally, you know, abusing me spiritually, like... You know, so how do we reverse that sure. aspect as well? Sure. Wow, that's a deep question. Yeah. And there's several ways I can answer it. But mm -hmm. what I will say first and foremost is we have to come to an understanding of what love is. Right. And we find love in God because God is love. Amen. If you aren't expressing love from a God point of view, then you're not really expressing love. Mm. There's people that say, oh, I love these new J's or I love my car, you know, and... They may really mean that, but that's not the type of love that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Love is sacrificial. That's right. Love is um, from the heart, mm -hmm. but it's also a verb. It mm -hmm. needs to show action. Mm -hmm. But everybody wants to have love expressed to them differently. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a book called The Five Love Languages, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. people have to, you know, it's important for people to understand what type of love they are able to give mm -hmm. and also able to receive. Mm -hmm. Some people like love to be expressed in gifts. Some people love um, expressions of service. Mm -hmm. Some people love to hear the word, word love. Some people love all of right. that. I think it's important for people to know what love is, right. what best ways do they express love, and how they want to receive that love in return. That's right. Now, the difficulty comes in when you have a couple, specifically a spouse, where one person may want love to be gifts, Another person may want love to be affection and mm -hmm. touching, right? Mm -hmm. And if the two of them don't meet, what's going to happen, mm. right? It's going to be conflict. It's going to be conflict. Right. And sometimes things change. Right. You know, the expressions of love that you had when you were 20s, yeah. when, you, when you're in 20s, now that you're getting older and your bodies are changing and mm -hmm. you're not able to do the same things that you were able to do when you were younger, no. Right, exactly. Yeah, because they say that people change, what, every 10 years? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure how true that is or whatever, but I would, I would probably agree that you know, 10 years or whatever go by and you change. I mean, listen, I just cut my hair for the first time in 10 years. So, you know, <laughs> so, right. so absolutely. So I think that you make, you know, very, very great points. So here's the thing, right? It comes down to um, uh, growing in levels of communication, mm -hmm. right? How do you express your love for someone and how you want to receive the love? 
but also reciprocating, telling the person how you want to receive the love. Absolutely. Right? And then if that person is willing to give you what it is that you need as well, too, you got to be able to see if that person is willing because some people are just not willing to do that. There are some people out there right now that are, that they know the love language, they know what it is that you want, but they refuse <laughs> to give it to you. Right. Right? For their own selfish yeah. reasons. Yep. Me and my wife, we um when we first did marriage counseling before we got married, we um our pastor told us some of the needs of a man and a woman, mm. right? The first need of a man is honor. When a when a man doesn't feel honored, the house can be a little like unbalanced, sure, right? If sure. you if a woman is sitting there saying um, what you're not doing and telling you and trying to dictate to you and tell you what to do versus you know loving you mm -hmm. and honoring you, mm -hmm. then it's going to get testy, right? But on the flip side, for a woman, the first need of a of a woman is security. Mm. At the same time, if a woman doesn't feel secure mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, ayo, you're going to hear it. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> right? Absolutely. You're going to hear it. So it. So I think this is a this is a really key point here. And how do you know what are some? And you've been married how long? Wow. Um, that's you put me on a point. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. I've been there for a while. Don't kill him when he go home. It's Ms. funny. Mr. Montgomery, it was, it, was, it was, I just tossed it up to him. Like, it's so he was funny. In the zone. <laughs> we got married in 1998. Amen. So we've been married got for a long that's time. Right. That's right. <laughs> we got married on June 6, 1998. So like 25 years. We've married for 25 years, wow. right? So um, the beautiful thing is, and we just celebrated the 25th anniversary. Amen. And um, we did some low-key things. That was That's beautiful. Right. That's right. We just cleaned that up for him real quick. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's funny because <laughs> I'm at the agent stage that if you ask Amen. me something like, boom, like, boom. say this, I'm like, oh, you Because you're in the zone, right? Yes. Yeah, because I'm in the zone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but no, no. But seriously, like, yeah, okay. I'm just at that point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so after 25 years, we've been through many changes. Mm -hmm. And the way that we expressed love when we were dating when we were engaged, mm. first 10 years of marriage, mm -hmm. first 20 years of marriage, and mm. now 25 years, I think that this is probably the best point because wow. now we really know each other mm. and faults and all. Right. Because we both have them. That's right. And I'll say I have more than her. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But in that, um, lovingly working through these things, mm -hmm. knowing that some things are just the way that they're going to be. be. And not everything should be World War Three. Mm -hmm. Some things just comes with ages and stages. Mm -hmm. Some things are sacrificial. Some things are, wow, I need to get over myself. Mm -hmm. I need to be more listening. Mm -hmm. And to listen, you mix those words up, you have to be silent. Mm -hmm. and, and listening is not waiting for you to finish what you're going to say so I can speak. No, I want to hear what you have to say. Let me soak it in. And now I'm going to respond. Come on. Yeah. And that's real communication. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call active listening. Absolutely. <laughs> active listening. We do this all the time, me and my wife, right? So we do this little trick. Um, and it, Well, not really a trick. It's an exercise. All right. You tell me a story. And when you tell me that story, I'm going to reiterate you know, or, or uh, re reply in everything, not everything, but what I heard from the story. Good. Because I want you to understand that I'm listening. So every morning... 
my wife, my wife is a dreamer. Okay. And when she is a dream, and I'm not talking about a dreamer as in like, hey, tell me your dreams and your and your goals and your fantasies. And I'm talking about this woman dreams like mm. no other. And with I'm interrupting this video just for a quick second to remind you guys to go ahead and like, because I know you probably haven't just yet, but it really, really does help the algorithm and helps our channel grow. So go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and send it to somebody that you love right now. Okay? Back to the show. So tell me her dreams mm. every single day. I get up at least four or five times a week. And she's at, she says, I got to tell you about the dream I had. Verbatim. Wow. And it sounds like a story. I'm wow. like, are you writing this stuff down? Right? But I'm to the point where before I even get up to do whatever it is that I, I want to do, I settle. I put the phone down. Good. And... I listen to the dream. Good. Some dreams are two minutes. Some dreams are 15 minutes. Mm. Right? Mm. But it depends. But the regardless of how much time it is, right, that's a special time for us because it's helping me. She doesn't realize that she's even coaching me. That's good. Because she's coaching me to become a better listener because I'm a coach. Yeah. So I have yeah. to... I have to listen to my clients. I have to listen to the people. I have to understand before I even get out what I want to say. Sure. I have to do that. So her dreams help me be a better coach. That's good. You know? That's good. Yeah. So so yeah, man, like I, I wanna I wanna like rear the, the conversation just a little bit okay. here. So in finding love, mm -hmm. right? If you grew up low self-esteem, yeah, grew up in the in the crack epidemic and all yeah. of that stuff, you know what I mean? And I would I would guesstimate or whatever that it you know all the substance abuse from you know second grade third grade fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade all of that stuff when did it break where, where was mm. there a breaking point mm. where okay this has to stop yeah what what changed great question so looking back over my life I've always had what a lot of theologians call a God shaped void. Mm. And I try to replace that with all types of things, you know, hanging out, having fun, drugs, ladies, whatever the case may be. But it never fulfilled because it was never meant to be, right? To fill that to fill that void. For me, I remember in my early adulthood having a longing for God, but not really knowing how to get there. So of course I had that foundation in Christianity, but we were also living in a time where Islam was very popular, and specifically what we call the 5% nation, people that call themselves gods and things of that nature. We had Rastafarianism. We had all types of different religions going on. So for me, I was exposed to all that, and I had friends and colleagues that were really diving deep into those things. And I would study to understand it, but I never wholeheartedly subscribe to any of those religions because it didn't fit mm. and for me i was always seeking the truth and not a fact there's a difference between facts Come and on. truth mm -hmm. jesus said himself i am the way the truth, truth. and the life right. nobody gets yeah. to the father except through me mm -hmm. so with all of these people all of these different religions stating their facts which could change from time to time i was yearning for the truth mm. and for me I believe that came um, just out of longing for him, mm -hmm. praying out to him, 
studying these different religions that never really added up completely mm-hmm. until I read the book myself. Yeah. And I opened up the book of Matthew, which is the first um, gospel book in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And before I would hear all these stories about, you know, Jesus is this, Jesus is that. But for me reading it myself and before I even got to the end of the book, my wife has always been a Christian, even before we met. She grew up in Christianity, but she never really made me become a Christian. I respect her for that. Mm. And that really taught me eventually in my evangelism to deal with everybody differently. Yeah. With some people, you may have to give them that hard yeah. speech like, yep. listen, it's, yep. it's hell or yeah. heaven yep. now. Yep. yep. Some people you can have a more building relationship and everybody's different. Gotta learn how to use those gifts of the spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So with me, she never gave me an ultimatum. Mm. She never said, Well, if you want to be with me, you're gonna have to do this. Now, for some relationships, you're gonna have to say that. But for her, her God gave her wisdom in how to lead me a different way. Mm. So basically I just read the Bible. I read that book of the Bible, Matthew, and I knew it was like the scales came off my eyes and I knew that I wanted to be a Christian. Wow. And I came to her and I said, I'm ready. Yeah. And we were visiting my sister in Tennessee at the time. And we were laying down after we arrived there and she walked me through a sinner's prayer. Mm. And that was the most restful sleep I've ever had in my life. Really? And 20 plus years later, I've never looked back. Wow. Wow. That's so amazing. I feel that somebody's going to be blessed by that word just now or whatever, mm. but I do feel that when you said that you did, she didn't force you, right? I think it's important to highlight the fact that God is not forceful. Right. He's going to give you the choice. Yeah. If you want this, cool. If mm-hmm. you don't want this, cool. Mm-hmm. However, right, if you want this, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't want this, this is what you're going to get. Sure. Right? And when you when you say you went through all those different religions, I did some research myself. Yeah. And I learned that since the first printing press has been created, mm-hmm. there's been... <clears throat> 130 million books printed. Only one out of the 130 million books are flawless. The Bible. And that's the Bible. Absolutely. Even new uh, education books, um, you know, history books, uh, doctor books, the second that they hit the stand, Mm -hmm. it's outdated. Yeah. It's outdated because, you know, there's um, there's new material, right? However, with the Bible, everything that's in there continues, you know, to happen all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So to the, new, to, to the person wrestling, yeah, right, with should I go to Islam? Should I try, you know, Judaism? Should I mm-hmm. try Christianity? Should mm-hmm. I try? I've heard all these things about Christianity or whatever, right? Why are they shoving this down our throat? Well, they feel like that, even though that may not be the case, right? What do you say to the person that's struggling to, you know, to find the truth? Yeah. So to the person who's struggling to find the truth, say a simple prayer. God, show me who you are. Mm -hmm. That's it. God, show me who you are. He will show you who he is. Mm -hmm. 
that's where the courage is going to have to come in. Because when he does, it may lead you away from your past life. Mm -hmm. Some things that you love now, you're going to start to hate. Mm -hmm. Some things that you are involved in is going to become contradictory to where God is leading you. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, he's going to show you truly who he is through his word. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one. It's that simple prayer. Two, you could do it from an academic point of view mm -hmm. where you can actually, I mean, there's books that have done all the work for you where it compares all the world's religions right. and you could see for yourself mm -hmm. the dichotomy and, and the differences between all of these religions. But ultimately, you're going to see that, A, the Bible is flawless. Mm -hmm. B, that it has, it's a historical book mm -hmm. because you have people like Josephus who was a, um, he was a historian from antiquity that connects the dots between Jesus and culture mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. So with his books, he was able to say that Jesus was real and he was in this world and this is how he impacted the world. Wow. So that's a, a book that could help to supplement the Bible. Right, right. But ultimately it goes down to the Bible. And from the first 10 words that you're going to read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe that, yeah, yeah. then you're in trouble. <laughs> right. right, you're in trouble. Yeah. So in that, it states that God is the creator, mm -hmm. that God loves us, yeah. that God is an artist, yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. he creates, oh, absolutely. that there could only be one God. Mm -hmm. Because how can it be Jesus? How can it be um, Buddha, mm -hmm. how could it be Confucius, how could mm -hmm. it be Master Fard, Muhammad, mm -hmm. how could it be all of these religious right. leaders, right. but they're contradicting themselves. Right, facts. My father's name was James Edward Montgomery. Mm -hmm. If somebody walks in here right now and says, oh yeah, your father's name was Osiris or Buford or McGillicuddy, I'm going to say no, mm -hmm. because I know who my father is. Mm -hmm. I could trace back from relation and from historical references. Right. It's the same way with God. Mm -hmm. As we trace back to who he is, mm -hmm. all of these false gods are going to pale in comparison, mm -hmm. date-wise and also factual-wise, mm -hmm. right? So for those people who are longing to find out who God really is, mm -hmm. definitely pray that prayer. Yeah. Definitely do the research on your own. And get with people who can help you get to the point where you need to be. Right. Have these conversations, right? right? Yeah. But also build yourself up because there's going to be a lot of people convincingly leading you the wrong That's way. That's right. That's right. So we have to, number one, have a lot of discernment. Absolutely. Right? That's a gift in itself. Right? Yeah. Having that discernment, like you got to know who you're talking to. Yeah. You have to know these people because here's the thing. There are a few people that... Um, come to me because over the years they have seen my journey. Likewise. They haven't when I when I got back into church fully, it wasn't like, hey, uh, can you answer this question for me? Can you answer that question for mm -hmm. me? It was more so of years and years and years later that as I started to walk with God more, he started to show up in me more and started to sure. be the light. Sure. Right? Yeah. So it wasn't me, but it was the God in me that was being shown and revealed to people, hey, go there. Mm -hmm. Right? That's like the Holy Spirit just talking right there, right? Because yeah, the yeah, Bible says yeah. that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. Yes. Right? So with the Holy Spirit being our advocate, it's 
it's pretty much making this connection on who you really should be going to, especially if you are looking to make this relationship and build this relationship with Christ, right? So for me, it was on some like, all right, who do I speak to? Mm. Because I was at a place where I didn't, I didn't really know who to talk to until um, me and my wife got to um, meet Pastor Edgar Alvarez. Praise God. That was when, because it was just something about the man that was like, I mean, this is just different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's something different about this guy. Awesome. Right? And I'm just like, I don't know what it is, but I've heard a lot of preachers before, and it's a bunch of fluff. Mm. And you can tell, you ain't even got to be super spiritual. Like you just know, like somebody like yo, man, you you capping right now, bro. Like right. you're, like you talking like a bunch of nonsense, right. and I'm not feeling nothing that you're saying right now, right? But when you know that you hear a certain voice, and the Bible says that the, my sheep will hear my voice, yes. right? So I encourage people to, hey, listen, there's going to be somebody out there, and I always say this: there's somebody out there that you are supposed to be um, hearing, yeah, right, yeah. There, everybody out there has a group of people that they are called to. It could be a small group of 10 uh-huh. to a large group of a million. Uh-huh. But you're called to a certain group of people Thanks. that God called you specifically to, right, to, to speak to. And when I heard, you know, Pastor Edgar one time, it was just like I was in my most vulnerable position. Okay. Right? So here's how I'm going to set this up. So sometimes God will... Strip everything away. Mm-hmm. Put us in the most vulnerable position possible. Where you can't go nowhere. Yeah. Because I called you. Yeah. The weed didn't call you. Yeah. The the the, the drugs didn't call you. Yeah. Right. It wasn't none of that. Right. Those whispers are are nothing compared to my voice. Yeah. And I remember like it was yesterday. I, I went to church in this. Oversized Echo hoodie, right? Like bumming it out. <laughs> I went as I am. There you go. And when I heard those words, I was just like, I, I literally was like the first one. And when alt call, call came, I was the first one at the. You know, like when it's for you, you're the first sure, one there. Like you, sure. excuse me, yep. <laughs> move out the way. Yep. Like I got to go and I gotta go. I gotta go drop this right now. Yeah. So, but it was in my most vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. We've been having these conversa- conversations about men and their vulnerability. Good. How, you know, uh, they're more of a strength than a weakness. Mm-hmm. The world paints them as a weakness. The world paints it in society today as, you know, man up, be a man, descend yeah. the third, or, yeah, yeah. you know, grow up, whatever. But we're not allowed to express our vulnerability. Why? Right? Why is that? Why, if we're not allowed to express our vulnerability or only go to God about your vulnerability, not go to your wife about it. Right. You know, don't go to your wife about it. She doesn't need that burden. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the Bible also says that, um, you know, we are to, we're called to carry one another's burdens. Yes, we are. Right? It didn't say men are only called to carry one another's burdens. Good. It said we are called to carry one Good. another's burdens. Right? To fulfill who? Christ's law. That's Galatians 6 and 2. So, like... And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and look that up, all right? Read about it for yourself, right? But my point is, is that in your most vulnerable position, what was the feeling like where it was like, there's no turning back now? 
Mm, wow. It's been many times. Yeah. Um, the first one that immediately comes to my mind is when I was at my financially lowest. Mm. There was a time when I I was making just enough money to make ends meet. Mm. And then it came a point where the ends were beefing and it, they wow. didn't want to meet at they all. They didn't want to meet. Yeah. And coupled that with just trying to keep the lights on and keep rent paid and keep the car payment. And eventually you're like, okay, let me just wait a month here and wait another month here. And after yeah. a while, you start drowning. And it for me, there was a point where I was so financially in debt that um, we lost our home. Mm. And the vulnerability for me, A, never being at that point, I've never seen that happen to any of my people, my family members, or anything like that. Um, so I didn't have a historical record of, oh, this is how you get through it. This was a new ground for me. Wow. And if it was just me, that's one thing, because I could just go sleep in my car or whatever. But I have a wife and two daughters. So it's like it's all of us. It's impacting all of us. Wow. So I can remember like it was yesterday, me going first to my wife and letting her know that we're going to have to leave this home and find another, and this is what it is, da 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 And seeing, going back to a woman needs to feel security, that in her face, it was like, well, what are we going to do? And of course, you know, we we immediately went to God for guidance and all of that spiritually. Mm -hmm. But physically, you can still feel the trepidation of, oh my God, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Is he going to bring us out? Is he going to do a last minute miracle? Is he going to let us go to the Job route? You know what I mean? Like all these things go into your mind and there's no one perfect answer because God sees people through differently, mm -hmm. you know? So in that, um, that was a huge vulnerable point for me. Um, then I would say I learned how to be vulnerable mm. when my father's father, no, I'm sorry, my father's mother passed away, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, I, my father came to see me and he told me what happened. And it's the first time I ever saw a black man cry. Wow. And he just let it loose. Mm. And... If he didn't do that, I can guarantee you I wouldn't be here today. Wow. Because I would have imploded from all of the various things that I would have kept on the inside. Yeah. And I've had a friend who actually died from a brain aneurysm because he never felt comfortable enough to express himself. Wow. His pains, his sufferings, his, his, his struggles. Mm. So he kept everything on the inside mm. and he died in his sleep. So when I say that that could have been me, mm. that could have been me. Yeah. But seeing my father do that gave me license to say, oh, it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Whether it's to somebody who you respect and love mm -hmm. or to someone else, you know, openly. So that was my lesson that I incorporated in telling my family 20 years later that we're going through this hard point. Yeah. Um, in doing so, when I told my daughters, you know, um, of course, they were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And, and you can see it all on their faces. But they lovingly said, Dad, we're going to get through this. Yeah. And 
there have been plenty of other times where I've had moments of vulnerability and I could express myself, whether it's to the whole family or to one of my daughters or to one of my friends or mm-hmm. whatever, and I could feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. to let loose mm-hmm. and 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 not having fear of, oh, how are you going to feel about me and mm. things to that nature. I was just watching, and I'll end it with this. I was mm-hmm. just watching a show called For Life. It came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I just started watching it now. And it's about a man who was accused of a crime. He goes to prison, and he eventually becomes a lawyer. Yeah. He received some bad news after a case that he was trying, and he went back to his prison cell, and his bunkie was like, yo, what's going on? Because he saw like all of the anger and the disappointment in his face. And the brother just started crying. And he and and his his bunkie was on the top bunk. And this man went on his bunk and just started crying and weeping. And the beautiful thing about it was two things. The bunkie just looked at him. He didn't touch him or whatever, because in that setting, you have to know how much you can express your love and respect for someone else without other people seeing it or having that looked at as a sign of weakness. But all he did was he allowed him to cry and he turned on the radio and drowned out the tears with the music. Mm. That was a sign of true brotherhood. Mm. You, no one's talked about Christ there, but I saw Christ all That's in right. that moment. Right. Because that was a moment where the brother was so vulnerable and he had to release. And he said, okay, brother, you can release. I'm a I'm going to cover you with this music. Coverings are so important because I can cover you in prayer. I can cover you by hiding you. I can cover you by drowning out your Mm. tears with the music. Mm. But we are sometimes called to cover Mm. each other Mm. in our most vulnerable moments. And that was a sure tell sign of a brother covering another brother. You know what's so maybe you have been enjoying what you've been watching so far, but guess what? This only happens with your support. This only goes to another level with your support. Welcome to the Unshakable Studio. As you guys can see, some of the background on what we've been producing over the past couple of months and actually the last couple of years on where we have grown. We went from, you know, in my house and in my 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 studio at home to now actually producing something of quality to help you guys see a great visual but also enjoy a great conversation. Conversation. Now, we want to take this thing to another level. In order to take it to another level, we need your help. So, we're asking that you guys maybe consider go ahead and donate into our Cash App, our Venmo, or even joining our Patreon for as little as $5 a month to keep this thing going so that we can keep blessing you guys with great conversations, more insight, more insight that help you in your personal life and professional life go to another level. With that being said, go ahead and like, subscribe, comment, but also, more importantly, help us grow. Help us get to the next level by making this nation unshakable. So good about that. What's that? Two things. Number mm-hmm. one, from a biblical standpoint, right? Let's talk about let's talk about Noah. Yeah. And he was drunk. And his sons came. Mm-hmm. And they saw that he was drunk. And he saw him that he was naked. That is one of the most vulnerable positions that you could be in. Absolutely. His sons then turned their, they turned around and they covered him and they walked back in. When I look at that story, I say, okay, well, why, why would they turn around? I ask that question. One, they don't want to see their father like that. Right. Two, they don't want anybody else to see their father like that. Good. It could be where they turned around and they're walking backwards in, 
where anybody else that was walking in the land, hey, look the other way. Go that way. Right? Because they're covering him yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So they're keeping watch. Yeah. On the flip side, right? When we go to when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, right? And he asked the disciples to keep watch for one hour. Yeah. He was asking for a form of covering for one hour while That's he it. prays. Yeah. But they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. they, they fell asleep. Mm -hmm. So it raises even more questions. For me, I'm like, hold up. How do you walk with a man for three years or more, whatever? Learn his teachings. Learn what he has pulled you from. And he asks you for 60 minutes. He's going to give you life. Yeah. But he's asking you for 60 minutes of yeah. your time. Yeah. But we always fall asleep. So what if in a sense of where do we cover Jesus? Mm. He's all, mm. We're always asking him to cover us mm. or cover for us, mm. especially when we do something wrong. Yeah. But why don't we cover for him when it comes to people blaspheming against his name? Come on. Come on. Why don't we cover him when, you know, people are, you know, out there parading around, you know, mocking him and yeah. doing things at his expense and, and, and making money at his expense, right? How come we don't cover him, yeah. right? That's yeah. the real question. And for me, it gets deep even more for me because I'm to the point where God is saying, can he, there's going to come a point in time where the veil has to go, is going to come off of your lips. Mm. Mm. And people may not like everything that you're going to say. Facts. Right? But it is for their good. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I'll give you a quick dream that I had, right? Okay. This is crazy. Okay. So I don't remember all my dreams that like my wife does. My wife can remember a dream like that. I remember a good two handful of dreams in my life. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. This one dream I had, I was in this huge mansion, this home. I was waiting for my kids to come home because mm -hmm. we had a gala at the house. Mm -hmm. I opened the door and there's this paparazzi outside. And I'm not worrying about the paparazzi. I'm worrying about my child. Mm-hmm. My my son and my daughter were with their cousins, and then I see down the steps like the mansion was one of those mansions where like you could like you got steps that when you walk out the door you got multiple steps that walk all the okay. way down. It was that type of joint, okay. right? Yeah. So, um, God, I don't really need all that, but I'm just, <laughs> like, <laughs> it'd be nice or whatever. But, yeah. but anyway, so um, so I look and I see my son driving, and he's underage. Mm. I was livid. I walk past the paparazzi to go down to get to him because I know that he's not supposed to be driving. Sure. Right? Sure. And I had one of those driveways, if you can imagine, that you drive in and then you got to make a little wraparound. And, and there, the wraparound is like a pond in the wraparound. Right? Yeah. So I get down there and the paparazzi still following me, following me. And they are wanting to get me. 
do something out of character. Mm. I'm known as somebody that, you know, is in high regard of character. People probably see me as, oh, he could do no wrong mm. or whatever type mm. of thing. But in that moment, I was a father. I was somebody who was looking out for my son. Forget right. the fame. Forget the paparazzi. Right. Yo, this is my son and he's not supposed to be doing this. I'm going to discipline, mm -hmm. right, in, in the correct way to make sure that he's okay. But he has to understand that he can't do these things. Good. But at the same time, the paparazzi's all around me and they're sitting there saying, because they see me upset, see, see, I told you, I told you, I told you. He's really not like that, mm. da, da 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 right? And then... Sister Carolyn, she was on the show a couple weeks ago. She's sitting right there, and she's staring at me. And she, if you if you see Sister Carolyn, she's she's one of those like, okay, you better go ahead and tell the truth now, okay, right? And I stop and I say, see, I get it. This is what y'all wanted. Mm -hmm. Y'all wanted to see y'all wanted to see me like this. Let me tell you the truth. Since we're all here now, mm -hmm. since we have. Th this new station and that new station and this camera and that camera since y'all want to shove these cameras in my face here's the truth okay and i started to unveil the actual truth mm. and when i started to unveil the truth people started to leave move and they started to put their cameras down oh yeah and they started to disperse oh, yeah. but that's the thing when you start to speak the truth the demons are going to flee absolutely right yeah so i told sis karen a story and she was like you know why I was in that dream? I was waiting for you. Because in my mind, I'm like, what took you so long? Wow. <laughs> Cloud of witnesses. Mm. Heavenly and on earth. Right? Absolutely. And I just think that that's a deep thing because, and I keep that story in the tuck, and I, I keep praying on that. And it's the first time I ever shared that publicly. Okay. Because it's like, you know, you don't naturally want to disappoint people. Yeah. But at the same time, if you love them, yeah. you're going to tell them the truth. Yeah. Brother, what an amazing dream, mm -hmm. right? Um, two things. Just talking about covering and yeah. adding on to that. Um, you brought up two examples. You brought up Noah and you brought up Jesus. Yeah. And with, and it's one is physical and one is spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think about the story of Noah in this context until we just had this conversation about mm -hmm. why did they walk in backwards? Mm -hmm. um, because if they didn't want to look at their father, they could just do what? Close their eyes. Close their eyes. Or just look down, right? Mm -hmm. But I believe that just in talking with you just now, I believe they walked in backwards mm -hmm. to have one set of prints from each person. And then when they walked forward, they just walked back in their original footsteps. So that way, it didn't seem like there was a multitude of people who came in to see him naked. That's good. So sometimes in covering, you want to lessen the impact. Mm. So I believe there was wisdom in there where when you see somebody doing something wrong or they're going through a vulnerable time, you don't have to put everybody on blast. Do one set of footsteps. Mm. Let me just walk in, do what I have to do, and walk back out. People don't have to know. Mm -mm. Now, it's in the Bible, so we can learn from that and glean from it, but mm -hmm. there's some times where you and I have conversations that nobody will no. ever know about. No. But then there's going to be times that we all have conversations that everybody will need to know about. Right. So covering can come on and off, mm -hmm. but in that, it's, it's in knowing God's wisdom and how to 
stay covered or to be uncovered. Wow. But it's always for his glory. Mm. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Two, with the staying watch and pray, there will be times where God's going to specifically ask us to do something for him. Mm -hmm. A lot of times with a lot of this new age Christianity, it's all about what we can get from him. Mm. But in any relationship, it's two ways. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be times where God's going to, play, I mean, every day God needs things from us. But it's going to be specific times where God's going to say, I need you to do X, Y, and Z for me. Mm -hmm. Not for your brother, not for your sister, but I need you to do this for yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So in that, whether it's the sacrifice of prayer or the sacrifice of service or whatever the case may be, or delivering a word to somebody, mm -hmm. when my uncle, my mother's father, I'm sorry, my mother's brother was on his deathbed, he had cancer. My grandmother on my mother's side um she called me, and I was maybe a Christian for a few years at this point, but she called me and said, I need you to call your uncle and walk him through the sinner's prayer. Give him the opportunity to accept Christ. Now, my uncle, mm -hmm. <laughs> although he had cancer at the time, he was a slugger, mm. a cursor, like he was out there. Mm. And you don't go to him with no weak stuff, right? That's right. And not saying that Christianity is weak, but it has been painted weak. Right. You know, whether it's the the lily clad Jesus of mm. of of lore of yeah. you know looking like a surfer right. with a perm and all that, which historically Facts. and and, yeah. and and geographically geographically, yeah. Definitely didn't look like nah, that, fam. but we can touch on that later. <laughs> right, right, right. But in that, um, I'm like, you want me to do what? Yeah. But that's grandma. You're not going to say no. Mm -hmm. But also I knew that this was a God assignment. Mm -hmm. So I prayed with her mm -hmm. and then I called him and, you know, I talked about his health, yada, yada, yada. And then I told her, I said, well, listen, the real reason why I called you is because your mother called me to talk to you about your soul. Mm. And I said, uh, you know, the doctors are saying you don't have too much longer here. If you were to die today, where would your soul be? Wow. He said, I don't know. I said, let's change that. And I, I walked him through. Now, it's one thing to just walk somebody through a sinner's prayer. But for me, I want to make sure people understand what they're saying and what they're committing themselves, what they're committing themselves to. So I let him know who Jesus is, mm -hmm. why Jesus is so important, mm -hmm. what separates Jesus from all of these other religious figures, mm -hmm. and why he needs him for everlasting life. Mm -hmm. When I said all that, I said, do you want to receive him? He said, yes. I walked him to the sinner's prayer. He died that night. Wow. If I would have got into my own mind and be like, oh, I'll wait until tomorrow, Oh, later on, this goes back to a conversation we had earlier today, where it's just like, in, 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 in dealing with people, sometimes you can wait. Sometimes you can have patience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to do these things right now. Right now. I literally, kind of off topic, but I'm, I'm making a connection. Mm -hmm. When I was 11, mm -hmm. I literally drowned, and I had to be rescued. I can't swim. I still can't swim. But I went to this large pool, and I had automatic waves. And I went from being in four feet of water into being twenty in twenty feet of water, drowning, asking for, like crying out for help. But there's so many people around you. They're like, "Oh, he's just having fun." That could preach right there. Mm. 
you could be drowning in sin and everyone else around you like, oh, wow. he's having the time of his life. Oh, oh turn up with man. you. Yep. Like, no, I need to be rescued. Yep. Yep. So everybody thought I was just oh chilling. God. No, I'm dying uh, here. Yeah. So I went up and down a few times. I went down that last time. And some people who've had these near-death experiences, specifically in drowning, they'll tell you that's a very peaceful time. I I just surrendered. Mm-hmm. I was surrounded with water. Everything turned blue. And I just surrendered. Wow. Everything went to black. Apparently, um, a lifeguard jumped in. Grabbed me out, did CPR, resuscitated me, um, and I thank God I lived. But I said all that to say that sometimes we have to dive into the deep to rescue a fellow brother. We can't just sit on the sidelines and be like, oh, you'll be okay. Oh, I'll talk to you about Christ later. Sometimes you got to dig right there. Yeah. This is what it is. Mm. You may not like it. Mm-hmm. You may not understand it. Mm. But this is what it is because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Mm. I could walk out of here right now and get hit by a straight bullet. So I need to tell you, I love you yeah, now, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And you know that. Yeah. So I think that's the same way with our with our Christ walk. Some things can wait. You know, there were times where Jesus eventually revealed himself fully to people. Sometimes he told people, this is who I am. Sometimes he said, this is who I am, but don't tell anybody else. Mm. In our relationships with people, mm-hmm. we have to know that everyone is tailor-made individually. individually. And we can't treat everybody, no. you know, of one cookie-cutter mm. point of view. You know what's so wild is that I almost drowned too. <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy, yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. But I almost drowned at the Y. I don't really? know if you remember that. Yeah. So, no. So Jason threw me into the into the deep end because I can't swim either. Okay. (laughs) I can't I can't swim either. And he threw me in and um and then pulled me back up. Or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like I was Mm. in there for like a felt it felt like forever. Because I didn't know. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I never had swimming lessons or anything like that. I didn't even really go to the pool like that and you know when I was a kid. Like I went during the summertime you know, at summer camp, but it was only for a little bit. We only went to the, we didn't go to the pool every day. So it's wild that you say that because some people could throw you in and not really know that you don't know how to swim. That's good. But think that, hey, he's just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And they throw, hey, yo, I'm going to throw you in this club. Mm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a throw you in in this in this sex zone. I'm gonna throw you, throw you pills at yeah. you, right? I'm gonna throw this this these drugs at you, yeah. right? I'm gonna throw these videos at you. That's you know good. what I'm saying? I'm gonna throw these. I'm a, I'm gonna throw you in because hey, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And they don't know no better either. How about that? Right, Father, forgive them for for what they know, yeah. not what they do. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you said something, Kit. You said, I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Now, always in every show like this. Okay. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow, we're by itself, and today is all we got. Good. Right? So, my whole my whole thing is, is that we have to understand that we only have today. Yeah. We can only pray for tomorrow, mm. but we only have today. We have right now. We don't even have yesterday. Right. Right, that's that's passe it's at gone. this point. Like yeah. it is never June June first, twenty twenty three, ain't never coming back. Yep. Ever again. Yep. However, certain things may 
reoccur in a different form, but it ain't going to be that day again. Yeah. Right. So it's so important that we grasp the the aspect of, yo, tomorrow isn't promised. As cliche as it sounds, it's the truth. And the fact is, I think people have a really, really hard time grabbing that truth. Mm. Hmm. We feel like we are in a position where I have all the time in the world, especially young people. Especially young people. They feel like I have all the time in the world. Sure. Where you have some people that sit there and say, hey, you got time, you got time, you got time. But what if you really don't? What if you really don't? Right? What, mm-hmm. if, you, what if you really don't have time? Right. Oh, you have time. You have your whole life for your career. You have your hmm. whole life or whatever for this. You have your whole life for that. Listen, my kids may think that I get on their nerves. Like contrary to what I am online, you know, you know, it, it, I'm talking to an audience that understands where I'm at. Sure. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. So they understand where I'm coming from versus my children who are 19, 14, 9, 6, and, and never seven, been your age. And never been my never age. Had your experiences. You, you don't understand. So right. to them, I don't make no sense. Right. Right? They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> so, but but I tell my daughter me and my daughter just had this conversation the other day, right? She says, um, she comes to me and she's like, I want this car. How can I get this car? Right? The car is like 31 grand. Okay. Okay. This is the car that you, she's like, yeah, it's a 2024, blah, 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 blah. Like, all right, cool. That's what's up. I said, okay, so you ain't got no credit. So how are you going to get the car? Yeah. Right? She's like, yeah, but I need to know. I need this car. I want this car. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. If I teach you how to get the car, Will you listen? Mm. Because that's the thing. You want it now. But there's a buildup to getting what it is that you, there's relation, there's a relationship that has to happen with credit in order for you to get the car. Oh, yes. So I say the first thing that you should do, right? She's like, can I get a credit card? Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that you should do is get a secure credit card. I agree. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Don't go out and try and get a credit card with high interest rates and all this other stuff. Learn from my mistakes. Right. Right? <laughs> you get something small where you put up the money. Yep. Now you're your own bank. Good. You're borrowing from yourself. Good. Right? So that you understand, how, okay, well, how long is that going to take? <laughs> That's the next question. Like, you're not understanding <laughs> yeah. what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. You have to, you got to learn how to build. And I think that in this generation, there's, there's this, it, we, we live in such a fast paced society. Yes, we do. That, you know, for example, the Bible says to um, honor thy mother and thy father. And it's one of the only commandments that come with a promise that if you do this, that you will have, you will live a long life. Mm-hmm. Okay. How does that happen? Does that happen at six months? Mm. Does it happen at nine months? Mm. You can't even really talk. Mm. How can you honor if you don't know how to really communicate yet? Right? You're just here at this point. So over time, you're building credit. Yeah. That's good. You know what I'm saying? You're building credit with your father, with your mother. That's good. And as you build that credit, God is promising that long life. Mm. That's the reward. Mm. That reward that you now you can do more. Now you have now that you are doing this, you now have more credit. Right. 
that I'm giving you to work with. Just don't max it out. Good analogy. Amen. Amen. You know, so how do we, you know, you know, in this in this era, yeah. right? We've worked in the YMCA together. We've we've seen it all pretty seen much. Young all. young people, um, and now even even working with the young people at Rutgers and this yeah. and that. There, and yeah. you just went to Africa. I did. Right. So I want to hear about that. Sure. But like, you know, is it the same? Like over in Africa, is it the same type of mentality, or is it different here when mm. it comes to wanting it now? Yeah. So. The topic now is time, yeah. right? Yep. And I believe that, and I've heard this before, that time is the only commodity that can never be replaced. That's right. Land, you know, could be sold and traded, but this moment that mm -hmm. we have right now can never be replicated. Amen. With time here, we have a, not even a microwave generation. Yeah. I believe 20 years ago was a microwave generation. Yeah. I want everything done in 60 seconds. Now we have the TikTok generation where if you don't excite me and thrill me in six seconds, six seconds. I'm going to move on to the next feed. Wow. And, and we're seeing that. So if I can't get what I want by the time that six seconds is up, mm -hmm. either you don't know what you're talking about or I need to move on to somebody else who could tell me what I want to hear. Right. The Bible talk about itching ears, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have an itching anything, you're going to want to scratch it. And when you have an itching... Um, desire to have something right now, you're going to go after it no matter what you have to do mm. to get it now, even if it's the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you for grooming and showing your daughter that the long way is the best way, mm -hmm. right? Because it will save pain and suffering and mm -hmm. some dollars in your pockets. Mm -hmm. But I believe culturally... American culture specifically, we want everything now. Yeah. And the danger is when they have kids, how fast are they going to want things? Yeah. They're not even going to wait the six seconds, right? It's going to be something immediate. Contrast that with the African mentality. Um, first and foremost, Africa is beautiful. Mm. Um, I grew up in a time where Africa was painted the jungle. Mm-hmm painted third world nation. Um, you would watch cartoons of Bugs yeah, Bunny man. being a cannibal with yeah. bones in his noses Facts. and things of that nature and things of that nature. And Africa is not like that. Yeah. Everything that we have here in America, all the luxuries, BMWs, vans, whatever, whatever we have and wear here, mm -hmm. they have over they there. Over there. Yeah. But what they do have over there that really connected me to my culture was a sense of placement, a sense of being home. I've heard, and I've visited many people's homes in America, and they said, oh, make yourself at home, welcome home. I'll go down south, oh, welcome home. When I went to Africa, mm. and I went to South Africa specifically, Johannesburg, my brothers and sisters there welcomed me home for real. Wow where you felt it from their soul, mm. where it was like, no, brother, you made it back. Mm. Welcome home. Mm. Wow. And then when they found out that I had, some people would say knowledge itself, people that know about their culture and things of that nature. So when I tell them that when apartheid was going on in the 80s, that I was also protesting here in 
in Jersey, in America. And there was a few of us who would talk about free South Africa. We wouldn't drink Coca-Cola. We wouldn't get our gas from Shell. And all of these big companies that vested in South Africa, we definitely did not ride with them. So when I would share stories with them, I remember one sister in particular, she said, I know, brother, I know. And not in a patronizing type of way, but like she was also finding out what we were doing over in America while they were going through their civil rights movement in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, right? So that made me feel at home with that, knowing that I had support thousands of miles thousands away. Of miles and the things that we were doing was actually being felt yeah. from across the Atlantic Ocean. That's so, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, and then spiritually, you know, Africa is the birthplace of Christianity. That's right. You know? So in that, going back home, and, and I'm the type of Christian that, you know, more of me showing a big cross on my neck or my tattoos that that proclaim Christ, mm-hmm. I want my life to proclaim Christ. Amen. So as opposed to just saying, oh, I'm a Christian, you know, I will say that, but I want you to understand that through my actions. That's right. I want you to see Christ in my walk, That's right. in my talk, mm. in my hugs, mm. in my love, in my times of service, right? Mm-hmm. And you see that in Africa where yeah. they are wholeheartedly giving of themselves. Mm. Um, if I have, you have. Um, I, they let it be known. Mm. If I ever want to come back, mm. you don't have to bring a dollar. Mm. Like, you have a home. That's right. So if we could have that type of mindset here mm-hmm. as Christians in America and not just be, you know, Sunday morning from 10 to 12, but like, no, this is seven days, you know, 365. Yeah. Yeah. That Every day. You know, yeah, just like the original church, you know, yeah. they all brought their stuff together. Yeah. And, and we don't, we may not always be able to do that because right. that was a different time. different time. But there may be times where maybe like, oh, sister so-and-so is going through. Yep. Well, look, I have this. Boy. What you have? Mm. I don't have any money, but I help her move. Or I help Ooh. do this. Yeah. This is how yeah. we come See? together. Yes. So we learn from the template of the Bible. And we may not replicate it to the letter, but we take those tenets and then we build off of it. Amen. Wow. We've run out of time. Wow. <laughs> Already. Okay. Already. But... I don't want to, I, I, we got to end on a good note here, right? Because that's so good. What's so crazy about that is, you because know, the first church was in what, Ethiopia, right? Yeah. You know what's so Maybe crazy? Yeah. Is that as a kid, they used to call me the little Ethiopian boy. Ah. And I used to get upset, right? Because I thought they was making fun of me. Well, they were making fun of me. You know, because of the commercials that you would see. Exactly. Of helping these kids in Ethiopia. And, you know, um, the kids that have flies on their food, yep, on their yep. head and Loaded stuff. Loaded stomachs. Loaded stomachs, mm-hmm. looking, you know, malnourished and Absolutely. all of that, right? Because, mm-hmm. I'm, because I'm a skinny guy, they, they thought that that was me. Got it. But now, I'm starting to embrace Ethiopia even more, right? And I even wonder, am I? Mm. Right? Mm. So... I'm actually going to like look that up. You should do y'all. that 23andMe. I'm going to yeah. do that. I yeah. actually am going to do a 23andMe. I'm going to find out, am I really from Ethiopia or not? Like, Share does my results. lineage or whatever yeah. lead back to that? Like, that's going to be that's okay. going to be something. So I'm going to do one of those and everything. I'm going to let you guys know on the show. Good. But um, to, end this, to end this off, right, I want to give the encouragement to both men and women um, 
moving forward to being unshakable, right? Mm. And what was, you know, an unshakable moment for you that you can give to the people um, that whatever it is that they're going through to have that unshakable mentality uh, from a mindset perspective as well? Because Hebrews 12 and 28 talks about our unshakable God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Which is where this whole thing comes from sure you know so you know what what is something that you would give to the people um in that regard sure um the first thing that comes to mind is for you to be unshaken in your faith mm. to not be swayed mm. by all of these different religions that are out here proclaiming to be the way mm. um to really stand firm in the faith to be unshakable in your walk with christ Amen to have colleagues and friends and family members who may not believe in the God that you believe in, but for you not to cower down and be like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to pray to the universe and all roads lead to heaven and all of that. So to be unshakable in your faith means that you may have to shake up the status quo. Mm. To be unshaken, you're going to need to do some shaking. So that means that even while your knees are shaking by you saying those words because you may fear the, the repercussions, mm -hmm. know that God will never leave you nor forsake you mm. and know that that conversation that you have may be the saving grace for that person to eventually say, what must I do to be saved? Wow. So be unshaken in your faith while you shake up other people's so-called faiths. Mm. Wow, 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 wow. You guys are at a point right now in life and somebody out there that's listening to this where your knees are shaking, right? Your mind is shaking, mm. your heart is shaking, your body is shaking, and you're just simply tired, right? And the reality is, is that God may be calling you to go ahead and surrender that, right? Allow these things that are shaking you up to become more stable by surrendering. And oftentimes what we do is we think that we can take the world on our own. We think that we can mm -hmm. take this whole load on our shoulders yeah. by ourselves, like we're God, like we're Jesus, right? we're Superman, and yeah. we're not, right? Yeah. But when you become unshakable is when you allow God inside your life, right? That's when you really become unshakable because if God be for you, then who can be who against, be against you, you, right? If he's already for you, then who can be against you? Yeah. So therefore, you can't you can't be shaken. Like you know, like it may look like you're surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It may look like your enemies are surrounding you, but God is surrounding your enemies, yeah. even in between, right? So we gotta have that type of mindset, and it's it's a struggle for so many people out there right now that are fighting this because you know where you're supposed to go. But you're struggling between your physical and your spiritual, yeah. right? You're struggling between I got to pay this and I got to pay that or I got to get this and I got to get that. I got to get my name out there and this yeah. and the third. No, you ain't got to get your name out there. You got to get his name out there. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You got to get his name out. You promote his name and he'll promote your name, yep. right? That's how it really works. And you're if you don't sit here and, and submit to that and if it's all about you, 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 and then you come to him and be like, yo, God, I did all this in your name. No, you did it in your name. Mm. Right? And when mm. you do it in your name, mm. I don't know you. How about that? I don't know you. So we have to, there has to be a humbleness yeah. about us yeah. that makes us unshakable when we move forward. So I don't know who that's really for, yeah. but I believe that in your walk and where you're at, if you're a husband, if you're a mother, 
if you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, if, if, you're, if you're a teenager, if you're whatever it is that you are at this point in time, if you know that the truth is calling you, buy mm. the truth and sell it not. Mm. Right? Mm. Buy the truth and sell it not. That's because that right there is going to truly get you to where you're supposed to be. And so many people struggle with their purpose. And I really do think that it starts with understanding how to be humble and surrender. Once you say, God, you know what? Reveal yourself to me. And that doesn't mean don't, don't go out and work. That doesn't mean don't do nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. That means in everything that you do, do it as if you are doing it for the Lord. In everything, in your photography business, yep. in your in your in your your walking your marriage, in your parenting, sure. in in your your baseball career, your football career, in everything that you do, you sure. do it as if you are doing it for the Lord. And when we have that, yo, I think that we become, you know, unshakable. I agree with you. Amen. 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 You want to finish it off? I do. Yes. I do. I just want to say one last thing on that note. Mm -hmm. um, for me to be unshakable, I had to learn how to live in the amen. Mm. And what that means is the first two words of the Bible is in the, the last word of the Bible in Revelations is amen. So living in the amen means that I'm living my life from the end and I'm working my way backwards. Ooh. The Last word of the Bible is amen, not oh no, not to be continued, but it's amen. It's concluded. It's all good. So knowing that, knowing that my life in Christ is going to end out great and I'm living my life from the end, working my way back, I'm in the amen. I'm good. I could be unshakable no matter what comes my way because I know what God has for me is better than anything that I'm facing right wow. now. So let's live in the amen. Amen. Amen and amen. <laughs> Listen, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the thank show, bro. I got to so have much. you back on. We got oh, so much more to please. talk about. You know what I'm to. saying? We got to do that. So um, where can they find you? Sure. So on social media, um, I'm on Instagram at EJM Foundation. That stands for Eric James Montgomery Foundation. On my website, um, two websites, um, EJM Photo, P H O T O, and EJM Foundation. And um, you can see me um, taking pictures all around. I'm working on a book that's going to help promote the beautiful things in Camden. And um, I'm also working on a series called The Gospel According to Photography, mm. where I'm going to create images that takes biblical text and um, make visual representations from them. Amen. 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 From the streets of Newark, New Jersey. You know, I was born at Bethesda Hospital up in yeah, Newark, yeah, New yeah, Jersey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to Brick City and everything real quick. But... Uh, with that being said, listen, everybody, go ahead and make sure you like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. If you want to go ahead and you want to help us out and you want to see this channel grow, you want to see us go to another level and bring on more and more, you know, healthy, unshakable conversations, go ahead and, you know, definitely consider partnering with us on our Patreon page. Or you can go ahead and donate to our Cash App or Venmo that we have in the link description below. With that being said, everybody, make sure you guys share this with your mama, your daddy, your uncle, your auntie, your grandma, your grandpa, abuela, abuelo. Share it with everybody that needs to hear these messages.
messages and hear these conversations that's not only going to help you in life, but edify your life and edify you personally and professionally going to that next level, all right? With that being said, y'all make sure that you understand when we change the mind, y'all, we change the game. Yesterday is gone, tomorrow worry about itself, and today is all we got. And if today is all we got, you make sure you impact today the best way you know how. My name is Kenneth Allen Thomas, The Unshakable Podcast. From my man Matt in the back, we out of here. See y'all later. Peace.